I'm Steve Serbis, and this is the Art of Fitness. Welcome to the Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Serbis, and today I'll be talking to James Hobart. James is a 30-year-old CrossFit athlete and coach. He currently travels the world as part of CrossFit seminar staff. And in spite of his busy travel and teaching schedule, he has also managed to make himself an eight-year veteran of the CrossFit Games, where he achieved the following accomplishments. In 2010, he finished 18th as an individual. In 2011, he finished 1st in team with CrossFit New England. In 2012, he finished 12th in team with CrossFit New England. In 2013, he finished 2nd in team with CrossFit New England. In 2014, he finished 21st as an individual. And in both 2015 and 2016, he finished 1st in team with CrossFit Mayhem Freedom led by none other than Rich Froning. James is just a good dude. In our modern world of personal agendas, the only one I see from James is his desire to help people be better versions of themselves. He has committed his adult life to that pursuit, and his success in his sport are a reflection of his passion for self-improvement. Before we get into my conversation with James, let's go to the question of the day. Delo G. Delo G writes, What's with all the carbs in these athletes' diets? Delo, my friend, it's a great question. Something I'd like you to take into consideration is the amount of work on a daily basis these people are doing. On average, they're spending somewhere between four and six hours a day doing very high-intensity physical training across multiple energy systems. This takes a tremendous amount of calories to sustain. The body's preferred source of energy for short-duration, high-intensity activity comes from carbohydrates. So it goes without saying that these individuals need to get adequate doses of carbohydrate to give them the power output required for their daily activity. Do I eat like them? Hell no. I train in the one to two hour a day, five days a week range. My body doesn't require that kind of carbohydrate intake. In fact, I prefer a more meat, fat, greens-based diet. I feel better eating this way because I just don't need that much readily available energy in the form of carbohydrate to support my activity. Uh, I hope that answers what you were getting at, D-Lo. Look, nutrition is a deep well. And it can be very confusing. My suggestion is taking a good look at your activity level. Research the primary function of each macronutrient and determine what's right for you. That's a good place to start. But to mimic what a competitive athlete, what a competitive level athlete in any sport is eating without mimicking what they're doing is a mistake. Um, you're just not eating right for you if you do that. Anyway, good luck, D-Lo. Things I'd like you to listen for in this episode. The evolution of the CrossFit Games. Focusing on the role, not the event. James's views 
on what makes a great team and the importance of purpose. All right, let's listen to my conversation with James Hobart. James, you there? Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm right here. Hey, man. Uh, welcome to the Art of Fitness. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's great to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> so listen, man, you are our, you're an eight-year CrossFit Games veteran, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, when, when did you start? What was your first uh, experience at the Games? It was funny. I was actually just uh, kind of talking to my girlfriend about this. Um, two days ago because we went to see the new Fittest on Earth screening of the new CrossFit CrossFit Games movie and we bumped into a friend who was actually the person who got me to actually go compete and uh, I was telling her that story but my first time at the Games was back in 2009 and at that time they were still at the ranch and at that time they had no real formal um, open regionals they just had these sectionals that were it's kind of smattered throughout the U.S., mm -hmm. and they were all programmed differently, which was a really interesting thing. So it was before the programming was standardized for things like the Open and Regionals. That is interesting. You know, I recall um, I was at the I was at the 2010 um, Northeast Regional when when you were there with with Jess Pomanian. And oh uh, wow, I yeah. Was, and I was just I was just talking. To my wife about this yesterday, I'm like, you know, I said James is like, uh, he's an OG man. I'm, I'm, I remember, I remember in between events, uh, athletes were like cracking open beers at that event. Because that uh, was that was still in Albany, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, man, has it changed? Has it changed a lot? Tell me this. Bec we know the changes. We know how polished it is now. But um, let me ask you this. Starting at the ranch, going through it when there was sectionals and there was like, you know, random programming <laughs> depending on where you lived. Um, and now we have this thing, this polished, well-oiled machine. What to you is missing these days? What What has been lost? I think for me, I would... <laughs> As I progressed as a competitor, I um, I think I stopped viewing the event as much. So, you know, as the event grew in scale, um, it's like your role in it became more narrow, if that makes sense. Yeah, so does. you kind of had less time to do all the little things like go around and visit, you know, all your buddies and, you know, their, their little gym's tents and crack a beer in between events <laughs> just <Right>. because <laughs> yeah. the event grew in size and, and uh, the importance of what you had to do and <laughs> crew. And so I, I think I miss those parts of it. You know, I, I certainly like where it is now, 100%. And um, yeah. But for me, it's like that's the kind of stuff – it's it's a work weekend, you know. When I when I've competed at regionals in recent years and at the games, I mean, it, I have fun and I love it. For me, though, it, it feels like okay, we're this is all business. So we know when you started this, but why did you start? You say you ran into a friend, and who was that, by the way? Who who made you who made you sign up for your first competition? Uh, Patrick Cummings, who at the time was um, creating media content for Again Faster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've and met, uh, I've met Pat a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And he lived up in, he was living in Brookline at the time and 
and uh, he was working out at CrossFit Boston, which at that time was down in Rocks, right near Roxbury Crossing. And I had just moved down to the city for school, and I started coaching at CrossFit Boston part-time, met Pat, and I think there was a competition at CrossFit New England, and, and I came into CrossFit, it was, a, it was a part-time coaching gig, it was sort of something I could do to help make ends meet while I was going through school in the city. It, there was never, for me at first, any intention of competing, and uh, I'm glad it turned out the way it did, but it, you know, the entire ride, every turn was a surprise. And Pat said to me, I remember a long time ago, he said, hey, there's this competition at New England. It's just like a local get-together. Some affiliates will be there. He said, I think you should do it. I think you'll be pretty good. And I was, you know, at that time, I was like, I have no idea. You're, you're just, a, you're going through classes. Um, you know, I've seen the, the 2007 and 2008 games with these guys who, to me at the time, were monsters. You know, guys like Josh Everett and Jason Klepa and Pat Barber and Chris Spiel. You know, these were the guys I saw that, you know, that's why I started doing CrossFit because I was like, oh, I want to look like them and be strong like them. Right. And so we did this competition at CrossFit New England, and um, I did okay at it, but I really enjoyed the competition aspect of it, so it sort of just carried on for there. And why do you, t why do you continue? So that, that, was the, that was the beginning, but right now, here you are in your career. Um, you're, a, you're a traveling man. You travel around a lot. You're part of the seminar team that, that teaches people how to be coaches uh, for CrossFit and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you don't live a very lackadaisical, leisurely life, you know? My, my guess is that you're a very busy guy and highly decorated, I might add, for competition at, at the highest level of this sport. But why do you continue to do it? Why, why at this stage do you continue to, to compete or get on a team or you know, strive for that, that coveted podium spot. I, the simplest and self, you know, most selfish reason would just be part of it because I really, I, I enjoy competition. Um, I like the nerves. I like the conflict of it. I like the result. I like being chased. I like, ch you know, all that's that part that goes along with competition. I really enjoy. And I always have, and I think like a lot of people who stopped playing organized sports and found CrossFit, that's something they've always really um, enjoyed, that flavor of what CrossFit can give them. So I think first and foremost, that is it. As it evolved and, you know, as the sport grew, I think for me it was, it was always very fulfilling to understand I was a part of something, a small part of something much bigger, and to witness the inspiration that competing shared with everyone else who was doing it with everyone else who was watching it and i th i really wanted to continue to be a part of that and i guess i guess yeah that kind of sums it up and, and give inspiration to other people and and hopefully be something inspiring i hope that doesn't sound arrogant because i mean that in you know not the at nicest, all the nicest way and it, i think that's I think of the reason a lot of athletes do it because I know still, even as it's grown, there's not a ton of uh, real money in the sport um, right. for competitors. The sponsors that have grown are, are amazing, but you know it's not like um, well, we're not making Tom Brady money, right? <laughs> Yet, yeah, Yet. maybe some, maybe someday. <laughs> but um, you know, I, it sounds corny, but it really is. I think for for the love of the game, it's uh, 100%. I read this post. And I want you to talk about it a little bit because this uh, this really spoke to me. 
says, this year I will not be competing with CrossFit Mayhem. They are an immense group of uh, whose secret to success is made from care and selflessness, not fitness. Um, we'll talk about what you're going to be doing, but I want you to talk about that last comment a little bit. Made from care and selflessness, not fitness. And this is why this spoke to me is, you know, I've been asked to coach teams. I've been asked to coach individuals. And for me, when you're coming together on a team and if I agree to work with a team, it's because I see something, a spark of something in that team that has nothing to do with talent. And, um, and I think that's what you're touching on, but talk to me about what that comment means to you. Oh, wow. Uh, it really, it, mean, it means a lot of things. You know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that all of those six competitors, you know, and, and everyone down at Mayhem that I've trained with, there's no doubt in my mind that their, their physical capacity and their, their fitness, um, that can be attributed, or their success can be partially attributed to that. There's no doubt in my mind. But the longer I competed with them, the more I looked at what we were and were not doing, that other teams were doing, I really think it's, it's we understood 100% that at times it was acceptable and even desired to put ourselves second for the collective goal and i th i think the people that i you know the group i competed down there with down there they just really understood that it, almost intuitively and in a small sense it would be like when things started going bad inside of a workout you know if somebody was having a hard time there would be another person stepping up saying hey do you need help and the person having a hard time would would look back and say hey i i need help and they did such an excellent job at that and there was it, it was amazing to me because there were times where those small episodes occurred and it wasn't even if words needed to be traded it just sort of like happened somebody stepped up somebody stepped back and um you know it's like it's very hard to put yourself second it's very hard to to ask for help and that was something that entire group of individuals did very very well in training and in competition and i think at times where there might have been other people who we were competing against who might have been physically fitter in a workout. It was just that when hardship popped up, I think we just handled it really, really well for those reasons I'm discussing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it showed in what you were doing. I mean, I, I w it's, it's with each other for each other. You know? Yeah, 100%. And, and that was just, you know, blatantly obvious that that team wasn't made up of six individuals that came together to get this job done. It was a, uh, it was a real team. And, you know, I appreciate that you wrote that um, because I'm like, hell yeah, man, that's that's the difference. That's the separator. And I will say this. If if you're not on a team and you're an individual, you you better damn sure give yourself some sort of higher purpose to work for. If you don't have somebody that you're working for that's next to you. You know, you need something else. Otherwise, you know, you th these are just events. Would you agree? I agree 100%. And I think, you know, for me, I just speak to this for a moment. I think how close um, a lot of the members, especially Rich, on that team are to their faith. Because um, that was something I certainly didn't grow up with, uh, or at least in an organized way. Uh, to see when people really devote themselves to a higher power, 
I think it gives you some really strong perspective. And even to be close for that, if you don't have the same higher power or larger calling, you start to understand how important and motivating that can be when you want to get yourself organized or focused or driven or motivated. Hell yeah, man. Because it just it just adds this emotional, it just adds, you know, quoting Bruce Lee, it just adds this emotional content to to every endeavor. It could be anything, you know. It could be I'm doing this for my kids or give yourself uh, – just raise the stakes and nothing nothing does that like either doing it for your fellows that are bleeding with you or giving yourself some sort of higher purpose the nice thing about having a higher purpose is when things start to go bad you can you can always you can look at those things okay here's what's going wrong but when you have the higher purpose you can say hey are we still headed in that in that direction or you know you, it's mm -hmm. it, it really is it's i don't want to say it's a fall black fall back plan cuz that sort of um, demeans it, I think, a little bit. But it really is a cushion where even if everything else goes bad, you can look to that and get yourself reoriented and be like, all right, well, here's what we still have. Here's what we can still work with. Let's work with that. Yeah, man. Thank you, thank you for that. And thank you for writing that. And uh, so now that we know that you've left this beautiful utopian <laughs> ideal, <laughs> what, are we, what are you doing in 2017? So you're not going to be with Mayhem. What are your, what are your plans? Um, you know, it, it, it's been a progression <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. as my, my, any of my friends who I've been around and especially my girlfriend and then my mom, it's like, there are days where I'm like, I'm competing and I want to go individual. And there are days where I'm like, you know what? I, I hate training and I don't want to work out. And, and I think that's cause for me, it's like stepping away and, and, and saying to myself, Hey, winning the CrossFit games affiliate cup is not the goal. Right. It kind of made this vacuum of like, okay, so we're had that, you know, cause that. I don't, I, even though that was the focus, I don't want to think that, you know, winning the affiliate cup was my higher purpose. And when I kind of made the decision to, to step away from that, it did sort of create a vacuum where, okay, well, what do I do next? And you do feel a little lost. And I think for me this year, my goal is now turning into, you know, I'm still, I'm still training pretty frequently and, and training's been going well. I've been training up at Reebok Cross at one. They are going to send, um, hopefully a, Hopefully, a uh, team to regionals and then the games with uh, with Awesome Aliolo and Spencer Hendel and Connor Murphy and then three girls up here: uh, Ali Leard, uh, Rachel Martinez, and uh, Kate Brierley. They're all very talented athletes. My goal has been to kind of now is share what I've learned, um, you know, continue to inspire people through training, uh, and I really want to uh, try and qualify a second team. Uh, from Reebok to go to regionals because not a lot of gyms get the opportunity to do that and they have some other very talented coaches and athletes up here and some very uh, strong athletic members yeah. so we've been kind of trying to hack our way through the open and it's been a tough fight we're 23rd in the northeast now and they take 15 so these next two workouts are really important for us and then seeing who drops out so and that's been really fun yeah, it's it's because it's it's something totally new. It's I won't always say that you know at Mayhem. I think we one of the best things we did was we always had to look is like we had to work for everything we got. You know, it's like just because we had Rich on the team or we had uh, Ellie and Kristen who had been to regionals multiple times, and when Lindy came on the team and you know Matt Hewitt who had been to regionals, we didn't just say hey, well we have all these great individual athletes, we're going to make it no matter what. Right. Um, you know, you got to kind of work for everything you had that's a really good lesson to learn so we're 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 hacking away at it so you know i mean looking at the leaderboard you you're you're not doing too shabby 
as an individual here <laughs> for the Open. Uh, but uh, any interest in that this year? Um, parts of me. There's, there's <laughs> Am I putting interest. you on the spot? <laughs> no, Sorry, it's, it's good for me to talk about because it, it's sort of like uh, I didn't expect the Open to be going this well for me. And it's only, you know, we still have two workouts left, so there's still a lot of place changing that will happen. It was a nice um, – because I did step down my training pretty significantly af right after I came home from the games. So it was yeah. kind of a nice like check to see that, oh, my God, I didn't lose all my fitness. Um, and uh, I have some friends around me who are kind of prodding me, saying, hey, you should go individual, and some other people who are close to me saying that. It's definitely in the back of my head. Part of me is like knowing what the individual training schedule is like and the season is like, I sort of feel, I still feel a little underprepared for what that entails. Mm -hmm. And you never just want, I don't want to be someone who just shows up. You know, if right. I, I show up, I want to be prepared and focused. So um, I can't say that's out of the question, but um, I, I don't, I don't think that's how things will end up. Let's go into this questionnaire. Are, are you ready yeah, for great. that? All right, let's go into section one, the physical. We're going to start with how many meals do you consume in a day? I, you know, when I saw this question, I got a little nervous because this is actually one of the things I'm not fantastic at. Um, I'm not Eating? a good meal. Yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah. not. And uh -huh. I know that's been like a, anybody who's trained down at Mayhem, they have, it's kind of like a joke. Rich is definitely um, like this as well, and I probably I – caught, I caught it from him. But I would say – we'll say uh, – uh, two consistently two meals two and meals then, in a day yeah and there are some snacks in there I'm, i've been trying really hard to get better at this my my girlfriend she's really consistent at it and and i love to cook but usually i, I spend most of my time cooking for her because i don't always love to eat meals but uh, i usually have now I'm, I'm consistently having a solid breakfast and i usually have one big feast at, at night <laughs> that's in, not the perfect way but it's a weakness no, and, for me. You know, and I'm, I'm hearing that, and this next question um, might be moot, but in percentages <laughs> of fat, protein, carbs, uh, what's your macronutrient breakdown per those two meals? It's a lot of, meal, lot of macronutrients in two meals. Or, or does it change with time of day? Does it change with training schedule? Yeah, uh, I would, you know, there have been a couple times when I, I kind of get the the bug and I'm like, all right, this is the week I'm going to, because I zoned a couple of years ago for about six, seven months strictly. And it gave me some really nice education on why I was doing well and why I wasn't and what I could change. But um, so once in a while, I'll sort of track what I eat for a couple of days and right. oh gosh, it's, it's all over the map. I mean, there are all days I'll come home and it's 3 p.m. and I've only had like seven blocks worth of fat, protein and carbohydrate. I do think when I eat, I do a decent job of, I would say it's relatively balanced without giving you a specific number between fat, protein, and carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I do a good job with that, kind of getting all three at each meal. And then on the weekends working seminars, it's where it's probably the worst, just because you're moving all day. So I don't do a great job of eating meals then. It's usually like maybe a breakfast, but then usually a really large dinner. So that's definitely if you were to say like, hey, what is your advice of how to improve your own athletic performance? I would say I could definitely take a closer look, look at my nutrition and how, that, how I handle that because I know, I know it's far from, from optimal. So when, when you did zone and you did really pay attention for those six months, did you find a, a different outcome, a different return on investment, or was it just educational about how random it usually is? 
It was both. I um, mm-hmm. I was in school at the time, and I was coaching part time, and I was training, starting to train more. This was 2010, 2011, and 2012, really through those periods of time. I uh, I realized I was just under eating. I was tired all the time, and and part of me, I was in law school, and part of me was just like, it's because tax law is boring. That's why you're falling asleep all the time. Because <laughs> you know, it's just reading these books is killing me slowly. But uh, I, when I went and did Zone, I realized I was probably eating somewhere in the realm of, I don't know, a thousand calories less than I should have been. And that, that was very, very educational. And when I started eating more, it's like, you do, you do feel better. It's like when you don't just pour vinegar in the gas tank, <laughs> um, right. the car will run better. How much time do you take in between eating and training? Or... Is it something that you just go by feel? What was the bad habit that you got from Rich? You you mentioned. I just think if like we were moving throughout the day, and even if we were resting in between training sessions, I think it's like maybe we would have a protein shake, or we would like snack like on a couple pieces of deli meat or something like that. Right. And it was like basically during the day, it was just like we would snack here and there, but if we were moving, we weren't eating, and um, and that's why it would just it would just wait until nighttime. Mm-hmm. I've tried to be a little tougher about that now on myself because I do realize my my work schedule is uh has grown a little bit so it helps me to stay fueled by eating a little right. bit more regularly and often so I would say probably your typical breakfast you know wake up anywhere from 5:30 to 7 a.m. breakfast somewhere in there and then a lunch around one o'clock and then dinner not till end of the day all right. And, you know, before I go on with these last two questions, I just because I'm sure that I have some listeners out there that are just starting their their fitness journey. Right. And yeah. everything that a lot of what pops up with somebody who's just starting is making that transition to fit it into their life. Right. So before I ask these next two questions, I just can you just talk briefly about what your work schedule is like? Because I know on top of, uh, do you have a home box that, that you coach at? I've actually, um, other than seminar staff, I kind of took a big hiatus from coaching inside of an affiliate, which was a mistake. Um, cause the, it, it's, it's such a, it was the reason I started CrossFit, and it's my favorite part of, of CrossFit is, is coaching an affiliate and watching athlete growth and interacting with the athletes there and the, and the members. So right now I'm coaching at Reebok CrossFit 1 in Canton, Massachusetts. How often are you out of town? For the most part, even if it's regional travel, I, I work close to every weekend for uh, some CrossFit seminar staff. So on top of doing two-day seminars every weekend – then you have a travel schedule. You're you're training for high level competition, and you're also coaching on occasion, but not as much as you used to. So, how often do you train in a day? Right now, I would say I put in anywhere from two to three sessions in a day. So I would say what that looks like is some sort of anywhere from maybe. 45 minutes to an hour and a half in the morning. I try and do one class a day at the gym, and then I'll do some sort of session in the evening. 
And what does a typical training day for you look like in terms of you split it up between morning, a class, and some session in the evening? How do you split up those sessions? Are they are they split up into energy systems? Are they split, split up into all constantly varied work? How does it look? I would say it's constantly varied work. And generally in the morning, I try to do something I rarely come in. I will rarely come in and either do something that's like super high intensity and aggressive, or straight up lifting. So in the morning, um, it's a lot of interval work, less heavy barbell stuff in the mornings, just because I don't like hitting that stuff early. And then from there, whatever the class is here at Reebok CrossFit One, and then in the evening you'll see a lot more like shorter high intensity stuff lifting and or accessory work and accessory work doesn't just mean like you know strict pull-ups and glute ham raises accessory work is just more specific targeted weakness work less things that are you know four time for intensity let's move on to section two yeah and this is the mental how would you describe your state of mind while training for me i i need to be I need to have a goal in mind, and I think especially as I've become a busier person outside of the gym, uh, it's easy for me to get sucked into everything else that's going on outside of the moment, you know, so it's like checking emails or thinking about work I have to do, so um, I need to be goal-oriented when I train, and, and I, I like it, even though I kind of like not coming in with a plan. It's like I like to come in, then make a plan, and then try and stick to that plan while I'm doing it. So I would say sometimes my state of mind during training is it's easy for me to get to get focused. I get a little bit of training ADD just because I feel like as I've gotten busier, that, that can take over. Mm-hmm. But um, generally, I like to stay relaxed and have fun during training. It's like even if we're on a schedule or have something specific in mind that we're doing, I do like to enjoy it. So do you do you find that you you often train with partners or is it something that uh, you know you train by yourself? Yeah, at at this point for me, it's I really like the notion of it's not necessarily what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. I like training with groups, regardless of skill level. Um, I just think it's always way more fun. And in competition, if you could liken your state, your mental state in competition to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would that be and why? Water. Nice. Why? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to come across and say like, you know, it's just, I, I adapt to every situation, but I, I think one of the strengths I have in competition is that generally I can handle changes pretty well, you know, and, and I feel like individually, and you learn this. I mean, if you don't learn this lesson on team, you pay for it. I've learned this lesson a lot in working with teams. It's I feel like I stay pretty aware of everything else that's going on around me during competition. And, you know, whereas you see some people who are just like, hey, stay in your own lane, head down and go. I, I'm pretty aware of other things that are going on around me. And, you know, when hiccups happen, I feel like I generally do an okay job of, of navigating them and, and not necessarily getting focused on the, the hiccup or the issue, but realizing, all right, so the, you know, your shoe fell off. <laughs> what can we do next? You know, that kind of thing. So I, at least that's what, that's what I try to do. Imagine this scenario. You're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ 
that needs to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left arm. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via zip line. It requires one of your hands to hold on with. What do you put down and what do you take with you? The baby or the vital organ? Well, you know, it's, you, you don't want to cheat the hypothetical. <laughs> Who's, whose baby is it? Is that wrong to say? <laughs> you gotta save, you got to save the baby. All right, great. I think, and then hopefully I can give my vital organs to the loved one in need, you know. So you, you can never cheat the hypothetical, so. A news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Officials have known about this for some time, but the asteroid is predicted to hit in 24 hours. It'll mean a certain end for the planet. How do you spend your last 24 hours? There's this no way around it. It's going yeah, it's, no, it's no, to kill us. That's fine. This is this is really it's kind of a morbid thought, but yeah, I travel a lot, and I don't right. think I've really ever shared this with anybody. But I think about you know, f once in a while, I kind of think about you know we hit bad turbulence and et cetera, right. and even though flying is really safe statistically, it's it's unbelievably safe. You do think like, all right, if the plane starts to crash, you know, how do I react in this situation? You know, what do I do before pure panic sets in and I'm just sitting here screaming and crying? You know, do I try to send out a text to you know, a loved, you know, a loved one yeah. and, and hope they get it when, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think about this a lot. I would just, I would want to spend it with my, my closest family and, uh, my, my girlfriend and my closest friends if possible and just spend time with them. This is a two part question. When is it essential to lie? And when is it deplorable to tell the truth? I don't think it's ever deplorable to tell the truth. But you got to come to terms with the fact that sometimes being a little too forthcoming or candid doesn't always um, hit people the right way. And I'll I'll also say this: I don't think it's ever essential to lie. I think it's ne it's never essential to lie. The lies have you. I guess they could have utility. You could make an argument for that in some case. But I'll, I'll try. I'm gonna fence sit on that one. So never and never. Yeah. All right. Great. Who in history, real or fictional, would you describe as resilient, and why that person? Um, I was just going to make a joke. I did a post recently where um, I quoted Buzz Lightyear, who's voiced by Tim Allen. Right. And he played um, Jason Nesmith in the remake. I think that's his name. In the remake of Galaxy Quest. Right. Uh, he's, and his, his character says, never give up, never surrender. But um, <laughs> I, I think in a, a better example, you know, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but this is something I think about a lot. I, I grew up in a household. Sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a longer answer. I, I grew up in a household um, where I think my mom certainly has, she 100% has a higher power, though I don't think it's defined in, in any too specific of a way. She doesn't prescribe to any specific religion. And my, my dad certainly did not believe in a higher power. But um, the more... I've come into contact with my own faith, or at least looked into faith and Christianity. And even if you look at the stories that surround Jesus, um, it's so amazing to me that his message has lasted for so long, and it's so widespread. And I think that's really meaningful. And I think whether you accept um, him as your savior or not, I, th I think there's something really to that. You know, I look at that kind of stuff, and it, it, in fact, it, it affects me in a really big way that you have to take a second look at it, you know, whatever your spiritual belief are. So I would say, 
he would certainly be one person that I would immediately put into that category. Mm-hmm. And then I guess <laughs> to kind of take more of a tongue-in-cheek note, I was outside you know, this week with the winter snowstorm, and I think anyone who was settling a country or land or space or a city or a family before indoor plumbing and electricity yeah man and i'm and you know it's kind of a joke but i mean this in a serious way they were resilient people you know i I was walking driving around the other day and it was cold out and i was like how did people do winters before they had insulation and heating you know it's like i think founding you know the founding members of of any country of our country is a perfect example we're just you know i know that's not specific but i gosh i think about what they had to endure and go through and they just did it yeah, I think those are, those that's a resilient class of people. Absolutely. Section three, the emotions. Mm. What is your idea of perfect happiness? <sighs> oh my gosh, that's a, that is a heck. You know, not a lot of words. Heck of a question. Mm-hmm. My idea of perfect happiness. The perfect bowl of ramen. No, um. <laughs> Spending, honestly, it sounds corny, but I, I think I'm my hap- happiest when I just spend time with people I love. I certainly become a loner once in a while, and I and, you know I grew up as an only child, so I get a little obsessed with my own space. Right. But um, I do notice I'm happiest when I'm around people that I care about and witnessing them be themselves. I think that's really like, I enjoy that a lot, and I don't always do it well, and I, I know in the moment I don't always appreciate it, but if I was to think about the moments of my life when pointed them, be like, oh, that time was so much fun, or this was so great, that's what's going on, regardless of what we're doing. What is the opposite of fear, James? I would say it's telling, you, you, telling yourself that you can. You know, I think fear, sometimes for important reasons, tells you you can't, but I think... Uh, Telling yourself that you can, encouraging yourself, I think. Finish this sentence for me. Love is blank. The most important thing you have to learn how to do in your life. Great. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Ooh, that's a heck of a question. <laughs> um Recurring trait that I notice about myself that makes me angry. Gosh, you know, the more I think about this, I think um, I'm really, I can be really hard on myself. And that's not necessarily the trait that makes me angry. It's the fact that because I'm so hard on myself, I kind of uh, push that expectation onto other people. And it's just, it's a really nasty and obnoxious thing to do (laughs) to others. When do you experience sadness? When I, f- when I feel alone. That's the exact opposite of what you call your perfect happiness. But somebody yeah. who grew up as an only child who seeks solitude on occasion um, ultimately doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. It's like I think it's okay if I choose it, but then you know, they're like everyone has those moments in their life where they, they kind of feel like it's been forced upon them. And I said, that's, that's a sad moment. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. Oh, it's my birthday. Uh, I guess that's the one that jumps to my head. I'm usually really good at discovering surprises and, like, figuring things out. And um, 
my my girlfriend scheduled a surprise birthday dinner for me and and my entire group of friends were there at least the ones that live close by and uh, I didn't expect it at all she had me totally fooled nice how did she get you out of the house it was close because usually I'm someone who's like, oh, I'd love to go out to dinner. Let's go out and do this. And that one night we came home, I think it was after the gym or something, and she's like, all right, let's, you know, so we'll get ready and we'll go out. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to because I thought it was just her and I. I was like, I don't really want to go out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and she had to like really pull teeth to get me to go because I can be really stubborn. And, and, and she did it in such a way where I wasn't like, hey, what's going on here? Right. <laughs> you know, so I was, yeah. I was pretty surprised. Nice. It was good. What word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? I would say when people litter or laziness. Section four. And um, we talked a little bit about this mm. in our conversation so far. So that's, that's great. But we're going to dig a little deeper. What is, what is your definition of the spirit? You know, it's, it's like... The more I've thought about this as I've gotten older, probably the less I really have a, a, a nice, uh, coherent definition of it. For me, I, th I think it's, I think it's, you know, your, your intent. And I really, I don't have a great answer for it. I would say I just, I just don't know. It's like one of those, like, know what you don't know. And I don't know that. Well, that word intent, I mean, that's pretty clear. That paints a picture for me. Um, what, what happens to us when our bodies die? I think about this a lot too. And, um, you know, without delving too much into my own personal belief here, I don't know how it happens, <laughs> but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some, you know, higher collective spirit that we became a part of again you know that would that would sort of make sense to me in both a spiritual and a, in a scientific way. I just I have no idea how the details of that would be ironed out. So I think once again I'd probably have to say overall I don't really know. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. Um. I, I, this might sound corny. Is it okay if it's not like a spe one specific event? Of course, man. Um, I'll tell you what I see as miraculous on a consistent basis, and I just I think it's I think it's uh, and I haven't witnessed this firsthand myself. Uh, and I'm an only child. I don't have any kids, but I think I'm at this age now where I'm watching a lot of my friends uh, have have children. And I think childbirth and, and childbearing and everything that goes along with it is the most miraculous thing I've, I've seen at, you know, and started to appreciate as I've gotten older. It literally, it's, it's mind-blowing how and, and why it happens and, and what, is, you know, what is created from that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Amazing. And I think even though I, that I haven't felt that or experienced that yet, it's true. Like everyone I've talked to, you know, and any couples who have had kids, it's like, that's what they always say. It's like, I don't, you know, they don't how to know how to describe it. And when I hear that, I'm like, well, I bet then that was pretty damn miraculous. Like if it's something that you can't put words to and you have no context for, you know, it's, it's, it has to be, you know, it's nothing short of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. No matter how hard you try, <laughs> it's, your words fall short. When, 
when do you feel most connected with creation? I like this question a lot. And the simplest answer I could give is when I feel like I'm uh, adding value to someone's life or helping somebody. What is the thing for you that is the closest resemblance of absolute truth? I think it goes back to my previous answer. I, you know, I, I'm just one little me. I, I, it's a really big, important question. I, I think about a lot, you know, is there some grand collective purpose that we're all supposed to have or that we have? Um, and I don't know. I, and then some, 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 way that I'm supposed to contribute to that. But I do think that, um, you know, making, giving, taking care of other people, you know, whatever that means, but as a whole contributing back to something bigger than yourself, there's probably some absolute truth in there somewhere. Um, You know, not, really, I guess I could sum it up as really submitting yourself to the understanding that you are one very small piece of the puzzle and that doesn't demean you in any, any single way, but, um, that there is something out there that is much greater than you and you can still contribute to it. Why do you feel you were put on this earth? To teach, um, and and that doesn't mean that like I'm a perfect teacher and can't continue to learn from other people because that's all that I feel like has happened throughout my life is that as much as I felt like I knew everything, there was someone who came along and said, not quite. But, um, you know, in, in starting CrossFit and coaching, I've, I've found out so much how much I love teaching other people and, and seeing those light bulb moments and sharing with them. So maybe it won't be... Uh, teaching people to improve their lives through fitness and CrossFit forever. But I think I always want to in some way, shape or form, whether it's in a moment or in a classroom or a gym, I want to continue to teach people and share experience with them and help them improve their lives through whatever method I find myself trying to teach them. I, I do ask, it's like, I, it's crazy. It's when you hear people growing up talking about they they found something you know, the thing they want to do for the rest of their life and that they love, that is it for me, teaching. So what is the uber lesson of James Hobart? If it doesn't, if the medium doesn't matter, right? And, and it's just the idea of sharing knowledge and watching people grow. If we could take your uber lesson, what you would like the world to walk away with that's coming out of your mouth, in whatever environment or capacity. What do you think that is? Put it on a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard. Um, but uh, try, man. I, I, I <laughs> gosh, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be corny, but um, I, I found this fortune cookie once, and it's been in my wallet for as long as I can remember. I taped it up so it could be some, you know, kind of like, kind of like poor man's laminate, but uh, it says service is the rent we pay for being on earth. Nice. And I guess that would be it. Service is the rent we pay for being on earth. Yeah, find a way to, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there are so many ways of doing that, but, you know, you are of service. 
dude. Thanks for coming on the show, James. Steve, I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. I, I apologize for the uh, the technical difficulties and some of the, the babbling, but I uh, can't thank you enough. No, uh, no, I can't thank you enough, and don't worry about it. Um, but before you go, tell tell everybody how they can connect with you. Um, if people want to connect with me, I, I'm always available for email, james.hobart at crossfittraining.com. And I've, I've started to try to become much better at answering um, direct messages. I don't get tons or comments on uh, my Instagram, which is just at James Hobart. But uh, hey, if you ever just see me walk around, say hi. I love to chat and meet new people. So, Do you have any events coming up that we should check out or know about? Anything, any, um, any seminars you're teaching that people should come and learn from you? I've level ones pretty frequently. Um, no specific events as of now up until... Uh, up until regionals where I'll be kicking around. And then I, I think I'm going to go out to the final open announcement in Madison. So I'll be out there. Sweet. And before you go, um, parting words, your last chance to be a teacher in this medium. Uh, can you give uh, my listeners a morsel of inspiration, something to walk away with from James Hobart until we meet again? Uh, my morsel of inspiration right in this moment, I guess I guess I would say um, no amount of effort is, uh, is ever too small. You know, don't give up and keep trying. James, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on The Art of Fitness. I really, really dug our conversation today, man. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. <laughs> James Hobart is a man committed to inspiring others to be the best versions of themselves. He's sincere, he values his friendships, and has reached a point where his self-understanding has surpassed his accomplishments. He thrives in the community he helps create. This is why I feel James Hobart is an artist. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot. No,